Father, we have sung how you are a wonderful, merciful Savior. And it is so true that um, anything good that comes to us is only because of your mercy and kindness. The Bible is very clear um, that we have each gone our own way and turned away from God. But you have stepped in and sent your Son, the God-man, God in the flesh, to live the life that we failed to live and going our own way. And you have provided um, the perfect sacrifice for our sin, the person of Jesus. And you have provided forgiveness of sins in the, ter- in the, in the um, uh, terms of peace with God and a relationship with God. And you love us so much that you don't just desire to save us from the eternal penalty of hell, but you even invite us into an eternal relationship with you. Give us your Son and put the Holy Spirit inside of us to live new. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we look again into the second part of baptism that um, those of us who be baptized would have a greater appreciation for what that means, and we would also um, uh, hone our focus on living to righteousness and putting to death sin. For those who ha- have professed faith in Christ but have not taken that step of obedience and baptism, Lord, I pray that it would be clearer uh, to them what their next uh, expected response is uh, according to your word. And for those who may not know you as Lord Jesus, Savior and Lord, Lord, we ask that um, there would be a, a, a hunger, a desire to know you and a, a, a grief uh, over what has separated them from God with their sins. And there would be souls who come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your church, which you say is the center of your plan in Ephesians 3. Which you say is the, is, is the display of the eternal purpose of God. Thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to be a part of it. And this is just one little aspect of our church. We're under the Word of God this morning. We've sung together. We've given uh, of, our, of our finances. Lord, this is just one part of it. There's so much more to this. We thank you for immersing us into a family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The New Testament is source of our understanding of the church of Jesus Christ, although we understand that the Old Testament is where the roots are in our faith. The New Testament would find it very foreign for someone who professed the Lord Jesus Christ, who has changed their life through His work, and hasn't been baptized. And so I want to unpack what baptism is here from the New Testament. We have uh, looked last week at and saw that responding to baptism was a public confession of, of, of faith in what we call the Trinity. In very simple terms, that means that we worship a God who was one, yet is exists in three persons. That baptism was a confession of personal faith in the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and what they did as Creator and Redeemer and One who will restore all things. And it is a very uh, basic part of being baptized. 
So what this means when we uh, spoke last week is that responding to baptism was a public confession of the faith in the triune God, the Trinity. And so we must actually introduce someone who is a new believer to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit's works of creation and revelation of who God is and redemption. Tell the Christian story of who God is, what He has done, and what He has accomplished for us. Otherwise, when we baptize people and we say we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we're just repeating a mere formula and that's not the intent here. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, that we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So baptism, first of all, we saw last week, was a public confession of our triune faith, our faith in God. Christ instructs us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and that demands that we take seriously this confession of faith. That we should never let a new believer hear about the triune God for the very first time as we're baptizing them, in other words. That's not responsible. And so, uh, 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 the idea of baptism is someone who is baptized understands that they, that they believe in God the Father, the Maker of all things, who loves you, who has chosen you from the slave auction of sin to be His child. That they believe in God the Son, who is both God and man, born of a virgin, who suffered and died for our sins, and who rose again to save them. And that they believe in God the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the one who gives life, the life giver, and who gives you new life. And then we baptize them. Important profession of our faith. We also saw, secondly, that baptism is a personal association with Christ's death and resurrection. You baptize one person at a time. And baptism is a, is a visible, it's a very obvious physical uh, uh, sign here, but it is a personal association with Jesus' death and resurrection. They are buried with Him, Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, in the likeness of His death, they are raised to walk in newness of life. And that statement for Romans 6, 3 and 4 emphasizes what a person is doing in baptism. That they are fully, personally associated and saying, this is true of me. Associating with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just in some abstract way that this is, this is true of our faith in general. But I personally am embracing this. And what baptism is, is, a, is like a reenacting of that, uh, of the saving work of Christ. And it's an excellent opportunity to go over the core events of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15.3, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. And so it's a visible sign. A baptism is confessing for that individual that God the Son really did become human for them. That He really did bear that person's sins on the cross. That He really did die in my place. And that He really did rise again from the dead to secure my own resurrection. That's the beauty of baptism. The third thing we saw last time was that baptism is a, is a publicly repenting from a life of sin. It's a First step of obedience. Um, it is it is it is saying that uh, uh, um, uh, Jesus Christ is, has been preached and believed. His fulfillment as, a, as, as the promised Messiah. His death paid for my sins. <clears throat> he rose again. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I'm not crying. <clears throat> My throat just closed up. <clears throat> and he has... Burke, would you bring me that wine, please? <clears throat> and he has a status as Lord <clears throat> and Savior and coming judge and king. <clears throat> now, as the, as, the, as the church expanded in the book of Acts, they ministered primarily <clears throat> to... Um, Administered primarily to to the uh, to the Jews who had had some background of of what God had 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 um, laid out for the, in the Scriptures for God's people. They would understand His standards of holiness. They would understand um, uh, what God's expectations of were, what man needed to do in order to to be right with God. And so there were some instructions that were given. But as the gospel began to move out from Jerusalem among people who were uh, uh, less acquainted with the Old Testament scriptures, less acquainted with with the, the teaching of the, who the one true God is, uh, the Gentiles, the pagans, there would be more and more instruction. <clears throat> and you look at churches like the church in Corinth. And there were some real uh, moral issues that were going on in the church. And, 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 and they needed to understand that this is not okay. You cannot continue in this sin here. They didn't have this moral base, uh, maybe, that the, the, that, that the uh, church in Jerusalem had. And so, uh, baptismal candidates need to know that in baptism, you are forsaking a lifestyle of sinfulness. If someone is not willing to say no to their sexual immorality, no to their uh, uh, no to their sin, uh, no to their thievery, no to their cheating on their taxes, no to the way I treat my family or my wife, uh, you name it, go down the list here. Then we would scratch our head and say, "Is that person really ready to claim Christ?" That doesn't mean we expect that person to be perfect in those things. But it, but it is a public baptism, public profession that I am turning away from my sin and I have decided to follow Jesus. This morning I want to focus on the last two aspects here. And that is this. <clears throat> that baptism is a pledge to live a sanctified life. It's a pledge... To follow Jesus in obedience. Baptism doesn't make that person able to follow Jesus in obedience. A baptism is that person pledging, by God's grace, not in my own power, I've decided to follow Jesus and will do so to the end of my days. I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter 3.21 if you haven't yet. Because if repentance is a change of mind... A change in understanding, a change of belief that leads to fruit, that leads to action. Okay? If that's what repentance is, then you are turning from something to something. You are set apart from to. And 1 Peter 3.21, I believe, makes this clear. In other words, turning from a life of sin automatically involves turning to a life of righteousness. It's like holding, holding a coin in your hand, right? If you flip that coin over, it's got two sides. Um, you, you can't separate the two sides. You're, you're looking at one, one side of the coin, the heads of the coin or the tails of the coin. One is pointing this way, the other is pointing that way. It's 180 degrees here. That's what repentance is. And so turning from a life of sin automatically involves turning to a life of righteousness. 
Just like turning to a life of righteousness means I'm forsaking my lifestyle of sin. And so, um, uh, from the beginning of the New Testament church, baptism involved not only the outward sign of one's decision to abandon their lifestyle of sin, but also... Because it's the same side, of the, the other side of the same coin. It is a commitment, it is a declaration of a pledge, or it is, a, it is, it is it, you could say, almost like, like a vow to live the Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the pledge, as Paul said in Acts 26.20, to live out deeds that are appropriate to repentance. It's not just up in here, head knowledge here. It is a living faith that works itself out. And baptism says, I am committed to that living faith. Just as in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, believers turned away from their trespasses and sins that Paul tells the Ephesians as they formerly lived. Then Ephesians 2, 10 says, by the grace of God, not by works of righteousness to earn God's favor, by the grace of God, now, now we work out our salvation. Now we walk in good works, Ephesians 2, 10. So it's the idea that being baptized is saying, by God's grace, I will. I know I'm not going to do this perfectly, but by God's grace, the compass of my needle, the, the, the compass of my the needle of my compass is pointed true north, and that is the direction I am heading. To observe, I remember Matthew 28:20 says, "Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. What? Teaching them to what?" To observe, to obey all that Christ commanded. <clears throat> so 1 Peter 3, verse 21 says this. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is God into heaven is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now you might have heard that phrase, baptism saves us, and you're wondering what in the world he's talking about. I thought we were saved by grace, by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, there are some people who believe that baptism is an act that actually saves you. Um, you might be familiar with the, with the show in the past, uh, Duck Dynasty, uh, there, and, and they were... They're, they're, um, uh, a group of, of people um, who belong to a, a, a sect called the Jefferson Campbellites, and um, baptism is part of their understanding of being saved. You have to be baptized to be saved. But that's not what this is, 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 is talking about. I'll explain that here. If you look in the preceding verses, <clears throat> verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was of preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. And then our verses that we just read, 21 and 22. That passage is a, is a difficult passage, it's a complex passage, but let me just make it very simple. I'm not going to explain all the, all, the, um, uh, all the figures in there, but I want you to get the basic thrust in this. We'll go through all the figures, by the way, when we preach through Peter, but that's another, that's another time. Baptism, Peter says in verse 21, the like figure, it corresponds to escaping through water in that... The waters of baptism is in some ways like a picture of the waters of the flood. Remember the Noah's flood, the story of Noah's flood? 
in Genesis chapter 6 through believe, 8 or 9 here. Baptism, when Peter wrote here, obviously you can see it's by immersion, not a sprinkling, going under the water here. Um, uh, baptism is a symbol of going down into the grave and death. That's why Romans 6.4 tells us we are buried with him by baptism and death. The waters of the flood in Noah's day were the waters of judgment. Alright? And the water of baptism is like the waters of judgment, similar to the waters of the flood. It shows clearly what we deserve for our sin. Being buried. Death. Coming up out of the waters of baptism corresponds or is a picture to being kept safe through the waters of the flood. The waters of God's judgment on sin and emerging in newness of light. Now Noah, the eight people that were in that ark, didn't work. they were in the flood, right? But they were not in the flood, they were in the ark, right? And the ark was God's rescuing vehicle. The flood uh, 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 destroyed and was God's judgment on the earth all around them, but they were rescued through the flood. And so what Peter is saying is that baptism shows us clearly that in one sense, with a picture of water, we have died. But we have been raised again. And we have been raised, delivered, rescued by the ark of Jesus Christ. We emerge from the waters knowing that we are still alive and we have passed through the waters of God's judgment unharmed because of our forerunner, the captain of our salvation, Jesus. As Noah fled into the ark, so we flee to Christ and we escape judgment. But what does Peter say? What does he mean by saying that baptism now saves you? Well, it saves you, he says, not as a removal of dirt from your body, going into physical water, an outward physical act that washes dirt from the body, but it is an appeal to God for a clear conscience. <clears throat> and what he's saying here is that baptism now saves you, not the outward physical ceremony of going into the water, like a magical view of baptism here, but the inward spiritual reality that baptism represents, that it pictures, that it is a symbol of. And so what Peter is saying, in verse 21, he says, The life figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not this magical thing of going in the water and your, your body becoming clean, and that, that means that your, your, your soul is clean. That's not what he's saying. But the answer of a good conscience toward God. That word answer is a very important word. An answer is a response, right? Question, answer. It's a response. The idea of that word is the idea of a pledge. A pledge. A pledge. So what he's, what he, what, what in essence is he, he's saying here is that um, uh, 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 baptism now saves you doesn't mean that uh, it's a... It's, it's, it's a um, Scrubbing your body makes you now saved. But it is like a pledge to God of what He has done for you and giving you now a washed conscience through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the pledge of a good conscience to God. How it's been rendered in other places. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience here. In other words, baptism is almost like the wedding ceremony, right? Right? Where you make your vows in front of the watching 
we gather before, you know, get together here in the presence of these, what? Witnesses here. So it's, it's a pledge. It's a pledge of fidelity here to one's uh, new spouse. It's not what saves you, but it is your, your, your verbalizing a, a tangible thing that uh, says what is true on the inside, I'm letting all of you know here. Now, what's interesting is, even from the days of the earliest early church, <clears throat> one of the leaders of the early church, his name was Justin Martyr, he says that, that baptism was given to those, quote, who are persuaded and believe that what we teach and say is true and undertake to be able to live accordingly. In other words, by submitting to water baptism, a new Christian is publicly confessing his or her faith and promising to walk by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Their lifestyle is now associated not with a way of death, but with a way of life. A way of life of following Jesus, which very simply is discipleship. Being a learner of Jesus. So it's a pledge in that sense to follow Jesus in obedience. And finally, this morning, baptism is putting on the team jersey. Your salvation you signed up to play by God's grace. Baptism is you are publicly putting on the team jersey. What do we mean by that? <clears throat> Go with me to Mark chapter 16, please. Mark 16, it's, it's page uh, 873 in your, in your pew Bible. Mark 16 and verse 15. Jesus is meeting with his disciples before he sends back up to heaven. This is after his death and resurrection now. He is physically appearing with them. And he said unto them, Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. It was expected that with your belief, your profession of Jesus Christ would follow with a baptism. Jesus' words here. Now some people will look at verse 16 and say, See, you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. Right? Like we talked about a few minutes ago. No, you do not have to be baptized to be saved. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ but a faith, that, a faith that is put in Jesus Christ will follow with baptism. Notice the rest of the verse, though, because someone who tells you, well, see, Mark 16, verse 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Notice the rest of the verse, verse 16. But he that believeth not, right, shall be damned or condemned. So it doesn't include baptism there. So his point is, is, is that baptism what follows your belief. There's salvation by believing. But that belief is to correspond then with being baptized. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. The place is Jerusalem. The time is Pentecost, ten days after Christ has ascended. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in a new and powerful way. The church, the New Testament church has been founded, the new covenant community of God. There have been droves of new converts to the Christian faith. They pour in, and Acts 2 says 
this about the situation. After Peter preaches the Word of God and preaches Christ to all these converts, Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says this, Then they that gladly received His Word, so gladly receiving His Word would probably be on the same uh, uh, would correspond to believing, right? They gladly received His Word. Those who gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were added. Added to what? Well, added to the 120 or so who were in the upper room in Acts chapter 1. So the idea is this. They received His Word. The response was they were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So, but notice what they were added to. I'd say added to what? Just a bunch of people now? Okay, now we got a, we got a plaque on the wall here that said we had 3,000 salvations of baptisms this week. No, they were added to, look in verse 42, to this. To this new entity. To fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Who continued? Those that were added to them that were already believers, right? And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, so this is now a a corporate group of people, a recognizable, visible group of Jesus followers who have believed, have been baptized, and have banded together as God's community here in a local uh, district here of Jerusalem. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord, so now this is a group with one mind, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's a lot we could get into there. But the point of it is this. That after they believed, it was expected that they would be baptized. And that was their admission then into this new community of the church. Adding to, increasing the number. So they were baptized, and so baptism is putting on the team jersey. It's almost like your, 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 your team initiation, so to speak. Baptism doesn't change your heart. The gospel changes your heart when you believe. Baptism is your public uh, um, uh, uh, letting you know that you have put on the team jersey, letting the world know and the church know that you put on the team jersey. Have you ever noticed that when someone is baptized, they don't just go into the water like this and go and baptize themselves? Why? Because the point of baptism is that they are baptized. They don't baptize themselves, but they are baptized by another. Another who what? Another who is a believer. And by the way, the Bible doesn't say who should be baptizing. The pastor doesn't have to be the one who baptizes. In fact, I think it's wise and joyful when the one who has led that person to Christ or been the primary disciple is the one who baptizes that individual. Uh, there and they can rejoice together having that special bond and relationship but the point of it is this that they were they believed they were baptized and then boom assimilated into the church they were recognized as being part of the new covenant community 
the church recognizes when we baptize people, we are saying, we are giving a public response. They are giving a public response to what Jesus has done to them, and we are saying we agree with it. And we are saying we publicly are also recognizing that God's forgiveness. And you are made a child of God. You are His Son now. And water baptism becomes the public celebration of God's inward work. Not just of that individual, but all those of God's people who are witnessing it. It's a time of rejoicing. It is a time of admission into the church. And the idea of an unbaptized Christian is completely foreign to the Bible in the other church. I was reading a, a professor at Dallas Seminary who, who said that he, he knows of no credentialed scholar of early Christianity, even a scholar who would be an unbeliever, who would suggest by the studies of the Scripture and the studies of the practices later on, the writings of the, of the church leaders afterwards, that the early church would accept in the membership an unbaptized Christian, which is why our Constitution says that one needs to be baptized in immersion, immersed underwater here as one of the preliminaries here for membership here. Why? Because of what the Bible certainly shows as a pattern. So the joy of baptism here is that you are putting on the team jersey and you're saying, it's not that I that by God's grace I've signed up to be on the team. God's including me on the team. It's like I want you all to know I'm with you, and I'm want, willing to walk in covenant community with you um, by God's grace to put off sin, to put on the righteousness of Christ, to obey the Lord Jesus, all of His commands, as I surrender more and more to His will. Uh, to, to, to join him in his mission of continuing to make disciples just like one has led me to the Lord and discipled me. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing picture. And so I hope here over these past couple weeks that as we have uh, uh, kind of stood uh, this, this statue of what baptism is and been able to walk around it and look at the different angles and look at what it pictures that you who have been baptized already as a believer have a greater appreciation for what that signifies. And that you will, will, will understand what you were doing when you were baptized and that you will resolve in your heart to stay true to that. And also, those of you who have been wondering, well, what is baptism and what does it mean? And should I be baptized? You'll understand very clearly from Scripture, it is expected. For someone who says the name of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He is the one who has delivered me from the domain of darkness and translated me in the kingdom of righteousness and light by His death and burial and resurrection, then it's time to go public. It's time to go public. And for those of you who wonder, who are maybe unbelievers or wondering, what is all that religious stuff that goes on in baptism and, and these ceremonies, what does it mean that you have an understanding of it and, and that God the Holy Spirit, I trust, will begin working in your heart to share, see the beauty of the gospel. And listen, if you understand what the gospel is today of Jesus in your place for your sins, that today will be the day that you respond to that. And so I'd like all heads bowed and, and eyes closed um, this, this morning and, and uh, perhaps... 
Uh, there's someone here who's they have been baptized as a believer, not just sprinkled as an infant when they didn't understand, but they've been baptized as a believer, and they would say, you know what, this morning, I understand better what baptism is, and this morning, by God's grace, I'm, I'm going to continue on in that pledge that I made to the Lord Jesus. And yes, I have... I may have fallen into, into uh, uh, some old bad ha- patterns and habits and, and I have uh, 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 not uh, been the, the, the disciple of Jesus Christ who is observing what Jesus has commanded, but today by God's grace, I understand that what He saved me for and I am pledging to follow Jesus in a greater way than I have before. Perhaps there's someone this morning who would say, I profess faith in Jesus and I understand what Jesus has done for me in the gospel. But I need to take that next step. I would like you to speak with me after the morning service and let me know. So I'd like to visit with you, uh, get a clear understanding of the gospel, and uh, we'd love to um, uh, have you join our group of folks that are baptized here this week. But perhaps there's someone here this morning who says, whether or not I've been baptized isn't that important. What's important is I've never put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not following Jesus. He's not my Lord and Savior. And that would be you today. I'd like to take the opportunity to invite you to respond to that repentance and faith. Turning to Jesus as the author of and the end of your salvation. Jesus plus nothing is everything. If that's you this morning, I wonder if you would uh, lift your hand or make your way to the front here. And I'd love to have an opportunity to, to uh, uh, send another believer to talk with you more about the glories of the gospel in response to that.